una y dos y dos una y dos Hello and welcome to Cortez NYC live stream of the podcast. This is a bi-weekly show broadcasting out of New York City. We are your hosts, Cortez NYC. And Sala de Puerto Rico. And on this show, we talk about art, creativity, city life from a Latino perspective. I'm a visual artist. And I'm a singer. And this is episode seven, Documented. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. Just subscribe to our show and rate and review our episodes. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram on their Cortez NYC live stream. And I want to give a shout out to some of our Instagram followers, Bays 7.85, Lowride Boulevard, Grimes C. Crusher, Mo K7, Snake9, The Inner Observer, Sec Loco 211, SENYC 1983, Seek1, Travis Chappelle, and a special shout out to two podcasts, Chico and the Grin. Thanks for the uh, support always. Uh, check, go check them out. Check out their podcast and Hablando Pleplas podcast. Uh, we see you, homie. You're doing a good thing over there. Saludos y un abrazo a ustedes. Yeah, so let's get on with the show. Documenting your artwork. That's what the subject is all about. We're talking about how can you, as an artist, document and the importance of you as an artist documenting your life your artwork um and your experiences so that you can share it with yourself in the future but also other people in the future right um what do you think about that documenting documenting is always hard for me as a singer um you don't want people to listen to your to your when you're practicing right <laughs> your mistakes your mistakes <laughs> but not only that but when you're warming up you don't want people to listen to your little ah true um and i think that's part of a process that artists have that they visual artists that they have that they can actually present the process of let's say a sketch a rough sketch and it still looks like art But if I just take my phone and start recording myself doing ah, ah, ah you're gonna be like, what are you doing and Sing. why are you showing this to me? Singing out of tune? Yeah, because it has nothing to do with, uh, with the song at the end. So as a singer, I think it's a little bit hard. I do think that it's nice to share when you, let's say after you practice a song and you think it's almost finished or completely finished, maybe sing for for people to listen and it's always good to listen to some feedback as well it's true um i think i mean what you described is documenting the process or sharing the process recording yeah, the process yeah and then at the end you will share the the final the final, the final version okay um all right so that's one one way of documenting that's one of the one of the products of documenting is that you end up with a lot of footage or photos of the process of your work. Um, another part of documenting, I think one of the reasons why I chose this subject is, um, I mean, because of recently, you know, being part of that court case, yeah. uh, the five points court case, um, you know, a lot of our... Um, 
proof yeah or evidence or you know our exhibit to show who we are and our standing and our recognized stature a lot of it had to do with artists having to provide documentation of our artwork um this is a very this was a very extreme example of the importance it, it taught me the importance firsthand of why it was important to document my work all these years and why all you know all artists really should and, and i should spread that advice mm-hmm. um you know i think let's go back now I'm, I'm thinking back to when i first started documenting my work it would have been back in the day it would have been maybe just uh photographs you know snapshots of maybe my graffiti pieces you know uh, back in the day actually when you actually used film and you had to go to the Dwayne Reed and get your prints made you know you would have your little your little uh four by sixes oh, yeah. you know in a, in a scrapbook of all your pieces right and back then I mean you would do that and you would do that with your art pieces and that was documenting your artwork um if you were a professional artist or you were studying to be a professional artist you would put together a portfolio that would be based off of these kind of photos um but you know having these photos and having all, all you know these let's say if, if you were lucky enough back then to have a video camera um having all this stuff isn't really going to mean much if you're not archiving it if you're not naming your pieces if you're not properly documenting your stuff um so i think let's start from beginner and move up to professional so as a beginner right documenting your stuff can be as simple as saving your stuff because what a lot of beginner artists tend to do is they throw away their art they'll draw something they're not too in love with or they'll they'll have some idea and they'll start drawing something and if they're not too crazy about it it'll end up under their bed somewhere or in the back of some notebook somewhere and it'll get lost when you throw out the notebook right it's important from the very beginning when you first start to develop yourself as an artist it's important to start to hold on to all your little sketches and ideas right retain them hold on to them put them in a folder put them in a portfolio save them that's part of documenting you want to you want to sign it you want to date it you know you want to put the date of when you've completed it and you want to save it in a safe place and at, and at that stage in your in your beginning years it might just be a simple folder with someone you know get a big envelope and just stuff it full of your drawings you know or keep your black book intact your sketchbook keep it intact you know that that could be the beginnings of documenting your work um moving along further once you get to college level obviously you're gonna or high school or college level you might get into a portfolio you know like we said earlier photos portfolio videos you know get by yourself a video camera nowadays obviously you're not gonna mess with a video camera nowadays it's on your phone everything is on your phone so it's so easy for you now instead mm-hmm. of exactly but in, but a lot of people still don't do it yeah yeah. so that's why that's we have this subject so exactly. the subject is use your phone for something more than selfies (laughs) use your phone and your video more than filters and snapchat (laughs) exactly um and don't don't keep it all in your phone only because your phone phones can crash and you could lose all your files i've heard i've heard people tell me i've heard artists tell me like oh man i lost my phone i had all my photos there and i'm Mm -hmm. like you had your photos in your phone and that's it like that's crazy like Mm -hmm. you know but some people don't take it that seriously and i'm 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 Imploring all of you, I'm saying, please, I'm imploring you, please take it seriously. Document your art. Keep your photos safe. Keep your video clips safe somewhere. So what do you need nowadays? You need a hard drive. Mm-hmm. 
invest in a hard drive. Um, if you have a, a laptop or you have a computer, invest in a hard drive that you can, an external hard drive that you can store your photos and video clips of all your artwork and label it and don't be lazy label your folders name your pieces that's another part of it i'm lazy yeah mm -hmm. name your pieces name them give them titles that way you remember them and you give them importance that's part of documenting your work um and then you you know you organize your folders and all that stuff that's another part of this um nowadays it's very popular to have uh google drives yeah right and uh, the cloud the cloud yeah yeah so you can save also you, you cannot save everything there but some of your some of the things that maybe you you think you might need um for an easier access through your email you can put it there and things that maybe you want to share let's say for a job interview or you want to share with a friend i think that the drive and the cloud they're really good for that uh we we started using it now for your audio takes when we've been doing some recording yeah right we've been saving stuff to google drive yeah which that. makes it a lot easier to share yeah with somebody else either if they don't have gmail it's still easy easy to to send and, and share i mean so a simple a simple thing you could do if you're if you're a, a singer or a musician obviously you have garage band or you're using one of these programs and you're recording um save those files save yeah. those takes It's yeah. important. Don't don't take it for granted. If you do a, a take and you're, you're sitting down and you're doing a session, save it, export the file, save that file on some drive or something. You can share it with people that you're collaborating with. You can send them a link and say, hey, here's what we recorded last week. Check it out. Tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. And then just listen to it and maybe you can find whatever you think it wasn't perfect at that time or whatever you think that you might add for the next time. And obviously... The point of documenting is for the future. The future person who's going to listen to this might be somebody else or it might be yourself. You know, mm -hmm. it might be the future you. Mm -hmm. And the future you is going to listen to this and they're going to learn from this. They're going to appreciate the history that you start to develop as an artist. You know? And they're going to feel the difference in your evolution. Maybe something that you're not seeing right away. You'll see it because you can see the past work you did. All right. So, um... We got into hard drives, we got into computers and all that stuff. It's very tech. Let's go back to low, low tech, lo-fi. <laughs> um, back to low tech, I would say um, something that we, I used to do and I didn't realize it was important was a scrapbook. Um, if you're a musician, this could apply to you. If you're a visual artist, this could apply. Um, a scrapbook is a place where you would want to keep events that you participated in flyers for events that you participated in why do you want to keep that well you want to keep it because you you have we have bad memories mm -hmm. right our memories are not that strong and you might want to save some of these flyers or some of these pamphlets or things that maybe you applied for you know these events in your life you want to save these things in a scrapbook in a, in a place where you can keep clippings they call they used to call this clippings nowadays you know technology you know flyers are on instagram or online or on facebook or something or on a website right so what are you going to do nowadays instead of saving artic newspaper articles in a scrapbook you're going to save links yeah that's a big thing that you want to save you want to save links if you came out in a, in a blog if you came out in a 
newspaper article, if you came out, if you were participating in an art event and, and they featured you on their flyer or on their website, save a link before you forget. Save a link, copy the link, save it and make a list, a folder somewhere with a list of all your links of all the things you participated in and label the link clearly. Don't just save the link, label it. Say, this was art exhibit at this time, blah, 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 and then have your link. This will later on can be used for your portfolio or for your website. Uh, maybe on your website, you want to put links of things that you participated in. This could be that body of work. Um, it makes it a lot easier to have that already archived and documented so that all you have to do is refer to that file and grab all those links. It's a lot easier than having to dig around through the entire internet five years from now and try to remember what was the name of that thing that I did. What was you know, and and you know it, it makes it makes you more organized. It makes you realize the body of work that you're that you're um, accumulating. Yeah. So links, links, files with links. That's important. Um, that's a good modern equivalent to the old newspaper clipping. You know, scrapbook. Magazines. Yeah. Um, so we talked about websites and blogs, right? Um, but what about your own website and your own blog, right? That's another way of documenting. Uh, nowadays, I don't know if nowadays every artist needs a website. It depends on your level and it depends on if you're selling something and what you're promoting. Because now you have Facebook and Instagram and so many different places to promote yourself. But it's, I think it's still important. I think I recommend it. Have a website. Have a website that is organized where in your own voice you can document your story, show the work that you want to feature the way that you want to feature it. That's very important. And in that website, you can have a blog. Blogs are good ways of documenting, even if they're very simple, but they're good ways for you to document some of your life stories, some of your experiences. Um, Carla, what do you think of blogs? Do you ever visit blogs? Um, not really. Personal blogs? No, but um, through Tumblr, which is kind of like a blog, um, you can have a little bit of an idea of how a blog on a website should look like and, and how a blog on a website, um, what information should have. But I think that also a blog on a website can share some events that you're part of, um, can share some information, can share even some articles that you wrote or that you had somebody um, write for you uh, for any piece that you had or maybe a review, things like that. I think that those are good things to, to share on, on a blog. That's true. Um, I think blogs are also can be used if you're um, a singer or an artist, somebody who is doing maybe a project, a long-term project. Hmm. blogs i've seen them used that way where you can show you know updates you can give updates to a, a long-term project uh, blogs blogs can be another way to document behind the scenes things uh things that are not really finished but mm -hmm. you want to still share it with people and get that get that documented out there and, and you know so a blog can also be used that way and i think that's a good a good way to do it that maybe is a little more than instagram right yeah it's not just one still photo and it's a little more than twitter Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because you can write a lot, share a lot. Okay, so um, another th another source that I thought of for documenting online now in modern times would be LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn could be another place for you to document yourself. I, I know people use LinkedIn for um, commercial, professional 
kind of environment you know a resume and you're you know you're looking for full-time work and all that but i think artists can also use linkedin for their creative documentation of their of their achievements mm -hmm. you know i don't see why not no, nothing says that linkedin has to be uh for nine to five work you know yeah, yeah. you could post your resumes on there if you're a fine artist or if you're an illustrator and you can post your achievements um your experiences uh, i think on linkedin you can you can create a portfolio so you can put photos and, and i don't know if you, if you can put video yeah you can put video on linkedin it can be for any type of professional being a professional doesn't mean that you are in an office nine to five being a professional is that you know your craft and your craft can be music your craft can be art your craft can be um public speaking so linkedin is for a is a professional environment so if you want to be on that level then yeah go into linkedin and and for me linkedin uh is a combination of your resume your portfolio mm -hmm. your scrapbook mm -hmm. because you can put in linkedin hyperlinks to all newspaper articles that you've been featured on mm -hmm. all the blogs you've been featured on you can be like oh yeah and i had this article yeah. written of about me yeah, yeah so yeah. anybody that goes to your linkedin can see a summary of of all of your experiences And I think a good thing about LinkedIn is that it's really organized. So everything is on there one category or you can just um, organize it the way you want it. But if you don't have, let's say right now, a, a website or a portfolio, maybe start with LinkedIn. And then on LinkedIn, they're going to organize it and you can organize it the way you want it. And then you can share that information with um if you're applying for a job or if you just want to share your your professional work yeah if you want to just promote yourself mm -hmm. you can promote through linkedin mm -hmm. all right so um moving on along to other mediums i think everybody knows Flickr. i don't know if Flickr really is as big as it used to be facebook obviously i don't recommend facebook for a professional environment to document yourself You can document yourself through Facebook, but I think you end up in a lot of drama and you get steered around in a lot of different places. So Facebook, I think, has proven itself to not be a great environment for that. I think that's why LinkedIn is a good is a good place because LinkedIn is almost like a Facebook, but you don't have the drama, the drama or the opinions. True. Because you don't have to give your opinions on stuff. True. Um, and then Instagram. Instagram is the most popular place where people are using almost like a blog, right? Where they want to share everything about themselves, including video and video clips and all that kind of stuff. Instagram is okay, I think. Um, the only problem for me with Instagram as far as documenting yourself is that it's because it's linear. You can't... It's, it's, it's difficult to like organize a, a, a profile of yourself on Instagram. Yeah. You know, the minute that you start, to, if you take a trip somewhere and suddenly now your Instagram is all about that trip, if you start posting about it and it distracts from what you were originally promoting. I guess that's why people has two accounts, their personal account and then their professional or artistic or creative account. True. And then, I mean, another thing about that obviously is, is on Instagram, the likes and the comments and all that. You know, I don't know if you really want that as part of your archive, mm -hmm. you know, people's comments, like yeah. their opinions of you. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you want that to be permanently recorded as like, yeah, this represents me. Look, uh, Joe Schmo said that uh, whatever about my painting or whatever. 
Um, but in a way, this goes, this opens up the door to a new conversation, which is it, uh, documenting your likes and documenting your social network, your presence on social media. That's what I was thinking because of the case. That was another it part was, of it. It was a lot of how many followers do you have and then that would determine... Determine. Determine, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, determine your... Basically, your authenticity. And basically, the most, the most followers you have, then the, the most it was, credibility you have. It, it, was part of, it was part of the factors and it was something that was taken into account, yeah. So I can't knock the idea of using that as a way of documenting, but then I think you do have to, what if, what if somebody shuts down your Instagram or what if something happens and it gets hacked and you, now you lost all that credibility? So there has to be a way to, to document your credibility at a certain stage that you can, um, I don't know, you can make it more permanent, you know? I mean, I don't have the answer for that right now, but I think that's something that people need to look up for into the, into the future. Yeah. Um, how do you document your social media presence, you know, yeah. so that in the future you can, when, when maybe Instagram doesn't exist anymore, you can look back and say it, in 2018, I had this, this, and this, and this website, I had this, this, and I was present at this time doing this. Yeah. Because that's what happened with MySpace. When MySpace shut down, you lost everything you had there unless you didn't have it saved somewhere else. So I guess I'm hoping, right, that they will invent some kind of cloud, some kind of maybe of drive where you can send an actual link for each post and then send it to your email. Maybe you can save it there or send it to the cloud or whatever medium you have to actually save the content. All right, so I think, I think I'm going to conclude this section with two more points. Um, one of them is video, the importance of video. Um, and I'll use YouTube as, as an example of my experience on YouTube. Um, video is the most, I would say video is the most effective way of documenting in modern times. Um, video gives people a real impression of what it's like to see you doing what you're doing in real time, you know, as they're watching you do it. And if they see your video 10 years from now, which I have videos online that are 10 years old, you know, it's like, it's new to somebody else. So I might've done that 10 years ago, but somebody sees the video and it's still new to them. It's a new experience because they're experiencing it in front of their very eyes. What I did back then. Obviously, they're going to see the old fashion and the old style and they're going to be like, oh, that's not the way people dress anymore or that's not the way people, whatever they might see in this old video footage. But it's still the most effective way to convey the experience of your art. So if you're an artist out there now and you're not doing video, I recommend you take video more seriously. Document yourself. Set up a video camera. A lot of people are doing it nowadays, but if you haven't done it or if you're not one of those artists do it set up video cameras more than just snapchat more than just a little video clip on instagram you know try to create document full documented videos even if you don't post them but save them store them that's you i guarantee you that in the future you're going to need this information you're going to need those video clips you're going to use them for something 
Um, so video is very important. Um, then the last point that I'm gonna make, I'm gonna bring it back down to lo-fi and low-tech, is um, now you've documented all your work. You have all your hard drives. You have all these portfolios and you have a, a whole mountain full of paintings and drawings and folders and all this kind of stuff, right? How do you document, how do you save your documents? How do you save this for the length of your life, for, for the, you know, for it to last the length of your life and beyond your, your existence on this earth, right? You need to invest, first of all, you need to understand that the elements will destroy your stuff. So the weather, humidity, heat, cold this will affect your hard drives it'll affect your paintings it'll affect your drawings it'll affect your um if, you, if you're doing music it'll affect mm -hmm. your recordings you know whatever it is all these things are are not forever these are not for things that are forever right you need to protect these things and put them in plastic bins or in safe drawers keep if, if you're not keeping them in a room temperature kind of environment then you want to make sure that you keep them in some sort of plastic container that that will avoid humidity or damage to get to these things um, long enough that you can eventually move it into the next medium that you'll save it into. Um, hard drives. Hard drives become old. They become frail. I recommend that every five, maybe less than five, but at the most 10 years, but I don't think you want to wait that long. Take your files and move them onto a new hard drive. Buy a new hard drive. A, a one every hard drives be, continue to get bigger and higher capacity. The the plugs that they use to uh, connect to the computers they become obsolete. Eventually, like old hard drives don't work on new computers, things like that. I recommend that every few years you buy a new hard drive and you transfer your files onto a new hard drive. It's an important habit to get into, and then take those hard drives and save them into a safe place. Um, you want to think of the, your art uh, for the future. You want to save your art the same way that you would save money. You know, it's a bank. Your art is, you should put it in a safe place, like the same way you want to store your money in a safe place. Don't, you know, take it for granted. Those are great, great, great advice for any artist out there, any creative. You dance, you sing, you're a musician, you're a visual artist. Any type of art, just document, document your art. Yeah, culture talk. Yeah. My favorite part of the show this is where i get to sit back and let carla do all the talking carla what do we have for this culture talk what's the subject yeah so we're gonna be talking about different stereotypes misconceptions of the puerto rican culture ah so puerto rican stereotypes some of them a little negative yeah all all fake yeah of course all fake news all fake news you guys know this <laughs> there might be a little truth in some of them but yeah it's all fake news we're gonna go over them and i'm gonna explain to you a little bit all right go ahead give us your list okay so first the first one will be they don't know english or they don't speak english and that's this already, that's already false right because this is false puerto rico is bilingual basically 
it is bilingual and since we're little since we're in school you are learning english and we have one class um it's one hour uh, as part of our curriculum it will be one hour class of english so an english class right and they teach you everything they start from um it's not perfect because you start to learn about writing and reading but you don't really speak that much when you're in high school when you're in school until you get to high school and then when you get to high school you have a little bit more of presentations a little bit of more complicated readings in english but um but, but you're learning english while you're learning spanish yeah exactly spanish so that's already more than people are doing here let's say let's use new york as an example mm -hmm. how many new yorkers are learning spanish while they're speaking in english you know what i mean like yeah, so, yeah. You got, so it's already a falsehood yes Puerto Ricans from the island are learning both languages. Yeah, we are. And an interesting fact is that when you, when we get to the university, the books are in English because, for example, oh, yeah, if you're that. studying yeah. uh, business or like me, I was studying advertising and public relations, there are some terms that cannot be translated in Spanish. So we have to use the book in English, then the class will be in Spanish, and sometimes the test will be in Spanish with those terms in English. So imagine if you gave that to a high school student here. I mean, exactly. I, I think you've seen some of the high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of our great and big uh, future generations here in uh -huh, New York. And uh -huh. the high school students don't seem like they could handle that. They would complain no. to their parents about it. Yeah. And their parents would probably complain and be like, complain. oh my God, I got uh -huh. to tutor my kid in Spanish now? Why? Exactly, exactly. But yeah. um, all right, so that's a misconception. Yes. Yeah, that's one of the misconceptions. Let's continue. The second one is... Um, our Spanish is ghetto. Ooh. So first we don't speak English. And then in, with the Latin American community, we have this um, stereotype of our Spanish is the ghetto Spanish. Now, yes, a lot of island culture in general, not just Puerto Rican, but also Jamaican and Haitian and other, other islands, you know, Caribbean culture tend to have their own kind of dialect, their own kind of sayings and expressions. I mean, this is very common. Yeah. Um, it yeah it, and, you know, it, uh -huh. like for example, the Haitians take uh, French and they play uh -huh. with they play play with the French language and mix it in with English and, uh -huh. and start inventing their own island slang. Jamaicans they'll take English and, start, mm -hmm. and they start playing around with the way that you pronounce certain things and the way that you spell certain things. So Puerto Ricans do the same thing with Spanish. Um, in our case, we'll mix um, the Spanish with English. And it becomes like an Spanglish, but in Spanish, which is funny. Like words like parking and parking. We said we say parking. And then, <laughs> uh, like in the last episode, we were talking about the word party. We use party like we're going, vamos para el party. We're going to the party. Like right. just regular words that it actually became part of our language as our Spanish language in Puerto Rico, which is funny. So our Spanish is not ghetto. It's just have a different accent. And that's, that's cool. That's normal. Um, another misconception is that... Wait, 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 wait. Before we yeah. move on to that. Yeah, yeah. The other stereotype that is true, but uh -huh. of certain areas of Puerto Rico uh -huh. is you take the R and you flip it with oh, the L. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. It is true. We do it at all uh, a lot. And I think we don't realize it until we're speaking with 
people from other countries that they speak Spanish. Right. When we're, because obviously when you are in Puerto Rico, you're speaking with your people, blah, blah. You don't realize that you're making these changes. But we, when we talk and we went move here to the United States and we start, um, we start talking to with other people from, let's say, Colombia or Venezuela or Cuba, we start noticing all these things and we're like, oh, yeah, our yeah. accent is very, very strong. Yeah. And the next one will be, um, you don't look Puerto Rican. Ooh. So, <laughs> what does a Puerto Rican look like? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's always my question. I saw a post um, on Facebook, and he said, "Oh, if if you want me to look like a Puerto Rican, I guess I'll put an an olla of arroz en habichuelas, arroz con gandules en la cabeza, so you can notice that I'm an act, that I'm an authentic Puerto Rican, that I'm I'm part of the island." Yeah, I mean it. Um The typical Spanish girl or Spanish lady image cartoon is like the chiquita banana lady with the uh -huh. with the bowl of fruits on her head. Um, but like, all right, speaking racially, you know, Puerto Rico is very mixed. Yeah, Puerto Rico it is. is. Puerto Rico literally is called Puerto Rico. It's a port where yeah. a lot of different cultures have m meshed and fused together and intermingled, and and it's become a multicultural place. So, and the fusion happened so fast; it wasn't. I think since the beginning uh, of everything, right? Uh, when life. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. When the Spaniards get got to the island and the whole mix that happened that time, it moved and it moved. That right now we have such a mixture that there's not a division between, let's say, black and whites and Indians or yeah, uh, yeah people that look native. Um, it's just a whole mixture. Everybody has a little bit of everything, which is. Is interesting, and that's why people cannot see if if you are white with uh, blonde hair and blue eyes, you can be Puerto Rican, and then you say, "Hey, I'm Puerto Rican," and they will be like, "No, you're white." Yeah, um, I mean, this little—it's a little bit controversial when you come to North America because mm -hmm. in North America there's a strong racial divide. There's a lot of categorization. People are put into boxes. They're yeah. kind of put into their own slots. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I think who was who was the artist that singer the the reality show person that uh, Amara Amara yeah yeah uh, we're she, gonna talk about her in another well, episode yeah but she's she's from where she's Dominican? she's from Dominican Republic right yeah. and she, she she sparked a controversy also Bruno Mars is sparking a controversy yeah, right yeah. because you know it's like he's he's he for, does for our, for Latinos mm -hmm. he's a trigueño exactly. he's somebody who's got you know brown complexion mm -hmm. he's tanned for for African Americans he might seem light yeah very light-skinned for latino culture he's brown he's considered like a brown skin trigueño mm -hmm. you know somebody who has a, 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 some melanin to his to his color and yeah, yeah. you know when you i know that he's also mixed i think he's hawaiian or something or he's, he's got some hawaiian other, and he has puerto yeah. rican on him too his father's puerto rican yeah i mean so you know these these are celebrities or, or people in the in the spotlight that are causing some controversy and some Uh, conversation exactly they're sparking a conversation that is important to have now that the united states is being is composed by so many different ethnicities and, and that's my thing and i guess we'll we'll talk about this on another episode but there's a difference between race and ethnicity and united states has focused a lot on race yeah but i think it's more important to know where you come from not exactly what you are because imagine us as puerto rican i can say i am i am puerto rican but then racially what can i say i am you know yeah i mean and for myself my family's from colombia and colombians 
depending on where you're where you are in Colombia, you can find very indigenous looking, very European looking, yeah. very African looking. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, every country has its own classism and its own racism. Mm -hmm. But in general, the way I was brought up was, you know, you you we appreciate, you know, all the different aspects of our culture. You know, yeah. we, we kind of embrace them all and, and take them all in. Yeah. You know, um, we accept them. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting, especially because Puerto Rico was it was forced. The, the people were forced to, to merge with Americans. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And it became a thing. It became yeah, an issue. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll continue with talking about Puerto Rico and West Force um, that we are not <laughs> part of the United States. So yeah. many Americans think that we um, we are not American citizens and that we are just another country in the Caribbean or another country part of Latin America. Right. Which is true. We are part of Latin America. But if you go to Puerto Rico, you can see that we have more relationship with the United States than with other countries in Latin America. Agreed. Which is sad because we are so no, close it's, it's to other countries, but it is what it is because of the political environment and because of the influence that the United States had had in, in Puerto Rico. I mean, without getting deep into politics, but obviously your sensitivity to the subject is because there are Puerto Ricans on the island that would rather be separate and there are Puerto Ricans on the island that would rather be together with the United States and embrace the United States. But the truth of the matter is you are where you are. And where you are is that you are tied to the United States, right? Yeah. So, you know, you don't have, you don't really have an option, right? Yeah. Um, it, the state of Puerto Rico is what it is. And yeah, when you go down to Puerto Rico and you see the, the tourism and you see the local stores and, and, the, and the customs, everything's very Americanized. It feels like you're in Miami. Yeah, yeah. We have everything you, you guys have here. That's funny because... Except the money and the electricity. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of money we still have the exactly. same currency but the amount of money we don't have it electricity exactly we still have um country the, uh, towns in the countryside that they don't have electricity uh but this remind me of when i was starting to work here in new york i was working with a guy and he asked me like oh but do you guys have like this fast food over there and i'm like yeah part of the united states it's the same thing <laughs> same exact thing yeah. only thing we speak spanish we have our culture but it is basically the same so the next one will be that we are lazy that puerto ricans are lazy now i i don't remember hearing that myself growing up i never heard puerto ricans are lazy or los, los, even in spanish i never heard like even within the spanish communities mm -hmm. you know things about you know, perezosos or Puerto Ricans on perezosos. Yeah. I never heard that. But I think that might come from the whole welfare system where the probably the people who came up from Puerto Rico to the mainland, mm -hmm. right, to, to, to the States, yeah. uh, had to look for help. And they looked for help through the welfare, welfare system and an assistance, you know, government assistance. And that became equivalent to, oh, they're lazy. They just want to have a handout. Yeah, po yeah. Politically, you know what I mean? But it doesn't mean, you know... Yeah, but it's the same conversation that we're having right now and that it's, it's happening all over the news that uh, people that come from other places to the United States, they're seen as, oh, they're the lazy ones and they're coming here to steal everything. And it's not like that. I feel like people that come from other places, they actually work double than the people that live here already. True. So I think that even though we are part of the United States, we do have it. It, it is um, a lot of work. 
even if you are educated coming to United, to the United States with your education is not enough so I think that we are not lazy that yeah. we, no, we I, put up the work yeah I don't I don't I don't think you have to prove that you're not lazy but I do think that we have to prove that it's a stereotype and not a and fact that, exactly yes that's right and I guess um, I'll finish with this one which is like we have it so easy <laughs> and that uh, comes in relationship with the ones we were just talking about so no we don't have it that easy because um, because like I said even though some of us were raised with the English language as part of our education not everybody had the same privilege or even the same privilege to learn it in a high level so I guess that um, everybody has to work hard to do whatever they have to do so this is a stereotype that obviously is not true some of us that we don't have it that easy. <laughs> all right. I'm not going to let you get off this easy. I oh. I'm going to bring the stereotypes that we all want to talk about. Okay. Okay. Number one. Mm -hmm. All Puerto Ricans are flag-bearing patriotas. They're, oh. all, they're all Puerto Ricans to death. They're all Mi Captain Puerto Ricos. All I mean, of them. Is that true? To. Yeah, yeah. That all of them. True. Every single one? <laughs> I don't... I can't No, every not every single one. one. Every, not every single one. But when things, special events happen, you know, we have to represent. And that comes... That stereotype comes from in the 1960s where the flag was actually banned uh, mm -hmm. at a certain time. You, you, There was a time where you couldn't represent your flag. And that, that that's almost like a protest against that where people started beginning to constantly show their flag. Exactly. So a, now we're going to show it everywhere. Yeah. And you're going to see it everywhere. Another stereotype is all Puerto Ricans are sexy, 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 sexy. Oh, so sexy Puerto Ricans, so sexual. <laughs> no, it's not. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> not true. It comes from a reality, yeah. We are very attractive, but not, not all of you us. You wanted now. me to teach you, right? <laughs> street reality. Hablando Español. Yes. Carla, what words do you have for us? This, now, this is a section that we use to teach our gringos out there some Spanish words yeah. and to teach some of our bilinguals some words that they might have forgotten. Or new words. Uh, so, first word is escribir. Escribir. Escribir is writing. Yes. Escribir. Writing. Second one is documentar. Documentar is to document. Documentar. Yep. Documentar. Next one is portafolio. 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 Portfolio. Yes. Portafolio. Damos Puerto Rico. Portafolio. <laughs> Sounds like Italian, right? Yeah, yeah. Port well, it might, it might come from, from... From, yeah. Yeah, from some Italian. Uh, next one is proceso. Proceso. Proceso also sounds Italian, but proceso. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a cheese. Uh, proceso is uh, process. Proceso, yes. process. Um, next one, uh, explorar. Explorar is to explore. Explorar. Yes. Soft roll of the R. Next one is archivar. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think if you would have asked it to me in English, I wouldn't have guessed the Spanish word. I don't think I knew that one. Archivar. 
I don't use that one at all. Archivar is archive. Mm-hmm. Archivar. And then archivo. Archivo is a mule, right? Something you write on? No. Just kidding. That's a chivo. Una chiva. That's a bus. No. Uh, archivo is archive. Yeah. It will be what you put inside the archive. The archivo is what you put inside of the archive. Yeah. Ooh. Archivar. Is to, is to archive. Is to archive. And then... Archivo is, Archivo the is like the document that is inside the... Oof. It can be actually Archivo can be the place where you put it. Shit. And also the item. <laughs> Pásame el Archivo. Está en el Archivo. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Um, now I have some Spanish, uh, some Puerto Rican slang, kind of. So let's see if you know it. Puerto Rican vocabulary, or mm. let's say words that are used in the island. Some is little words. It's not that much. Okay. Okay. Um, first one, ahumao. What? <laughs> what is ahumao? Ahumao? Ahumao. Ahumao. Ahumado or ahumao? Ahumao. Ahumao. Oh my god, I wish this was live so we can get people's reactions and get some feedback <laughs> on it. Ahumao. Alright, what's ahumao? Hangover. Shit, I think you did tell me that one time. Yeah. Ahumao is hangover, which we say in Colombia, we say. Um, it's to, to have a guayabo. El guayabo. We but I, guayabo, I didn't yeah. want to say this word this, this episode, but it's okay. We'll, we'll repeat it on the next episode too. El guayabo. Uh, but also, um, ahumao Hangover. will be the person, toya huma, and then huma will be the hangover. Oh. I have a hangover. He has a hangover, or él tiene una huma. Tiene una huma. Huma. Una Huma or ahuma? Huma. Una huma. Yeah. Wow. Está ahumao. Yeah. All right. Okay. Here we go. Puerto Rican Spanish. Pichea. Pichea. This one always cracked me up because pichea sounds so vulgar. Pichea, pichea, loco, pichea. Pichea sounds like pichar in Colombian slang. Pichar is to fuck. Fucking is pichando. So no, when you, it's not. Yes, it is. Se puede decir comer, wow. se puede decir pichar. Quiere pichar, vamos a pichar. Wow. La piche. No, no, no. Pichar. And in in Puerto Rico, in Puerto Rico, the the vulgar to say to to fuck or to have sex is chingar. Chingar, which is almost Mexican, also, right? Chingar, not chingues. No chingues. Sí, casi, casi. But okay. Wait, so. Okay, pero ajá, uh-huh, tell so me what, what is, is pichea. Pichea, uh, you've you've said it to me before, and I'm and I feel like it does come from the phrase of fucking because it's like don't no, don't fuck around, not. like don't don't joke around. No, no, it's not that. What is what is pichea? Pichea comes from the pitch from the baseball game. Oh my god! You know where the pitcher he gets the ball. <laughs> 
or he cannot get the ball. Ajá. So, pichea means like, olvídate, olvídate. Like, forget about it. Pichea, pichea. Uh, it's already done. Pichea. Like, forget about it. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so that's pichea. What about this one? This is not... This is not the country and this is not a person from that country. What is this? China. <laughs> All right, China. So Puerto Ricans say China to mean orange. Yeah, but China... Not the color orange, the fruit orange. The fruit orange. Actually, we do call the orange color chinita. Hmm. Orange color is chinita. And then China in Spanish means China or a Chinese female. So that's why that word uh, in Puerto Rico or to say China in Puerto Rico is a little bit um, confusing for other Latin American countries. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You got another one? Mm, yeah. Go ahead. Sangano. 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 I don't know if people use sangano anymore, but I think it means like to be like dumb. Silly. Yeah. I, want, dumb I was gonna silly. say I was gonna say retarded. Like don't be retarded. But obviously people don't say retarded anymore. No, no. But sangano like, literally I think comes from that. It's dumb or silly. Yeah, I think that might be an old fashioned slur. <laughs> But, you know, that's what happens in translations, right? Yeah. Well, this concludes episode seven. Yes. Um, so next week, or next episode, I should say, depending on when this airs, <laughs> <laughs> uh, will be episode eight, In Your Own Voice. Um, next time on Our Talk, we'll be talking about how to f find your own voice, um, the importance of having your own voice in your art and the content of your art and the importance of that. And on Culture Talk, we're going to be talking about Colombian stereotypes, dishes, and common misconceptions. What? Por Carla's Puerto Rican revenge on me, huh? It's going to be <laughs> revenge time, huh? We'll see. What do you feel about them? Yeah, and I mean, like always well, yeah, as always at the end we're gonna be hablando español <laughs>